Welcome, friends, to yet another session of Keep Polite with the World, and the world will keep polite with you. Today we are reading from Genesis 5. Beautiful book. Beautiful book, by the way. Lots of very interesting points in it. So let's begin. 32 verses in this chapter. And it reads as, as follows. This is the book of Adam's history. In the day that God created Adam, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. On the day they were created, he blessed them and named them man. Adam lived for 130 years and then became father to a son in his likeness, in his image, and he named him Seth. After becoming father to Seth, Adam lived for 800 years and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam's life amounted to 930 years, and then he died. Seth lived for 105 years, and then became father to Enosh. After becoming father to Enosh, Seth lived for 807 years, and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth amounted to 912 years, and then he died. Enosh lived for 90 years, and then became father to Kenan. After becoming father to Kenan, Enosh lived for 815 years, and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh amounted to 905 years, and then he died. Kenan lived for 70 years, and then became father to Mahalahel. After becoming father to Mahalalel, Kenan lived for 840 years, and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Kenan amounted to 910 years, and then he died. Mahalalel lived for 65 years and then became father to Jared. After becoming father to Jared, Mahalalel lived for 830 years, and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel amounted to 895 years, and then he died. Jared lived for 162 years and then became father to Enoch. After becoming father to Enoch, Jared lived for 800 years, and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared amounted to 962 years, and then he died. Enoch lived for 65 years, and then became father to Methuselah. After becoming father to Methuselah, Enoch continued to walk with the true God for 300 years, and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch amounted to 365 years. Enoch kept walking with the true God. Then he was no more, for God took him. Methuselah lived for 187 years and then became father to Lamech. After becoming father to Lamech, Methuselah lived for 782 years, and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah amounted to 969 years, and then he died. Lamech lived for 182 years and then became father to a son. He named him Noah, saying, This one will bring us comfort from our labor and from the painful toil of our hands because of the ground that Jehovah has cursed. After becoming father to Noah, Lamech lived for 595 years and he became father to sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech amounted to 777 years and then he died. After Noah reached 500 years of age, he became father to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So, a lot of interesting points that I found here. 
um, one of which is the fact that, as it says in uh, verses 1 and 2, it begins to speak of man having been created, and not only that, but it also explains why man is able to empathize, love, practice thoughtfulness, mindfulness, and kindness, as well as mercy, wisdom, and understanding. Man was created, as it says, in God's image or likeness. It goes on to say, in summary, that God created man and woman. And he not only created them and placed them in a paradise, but he blessed them. Think about this. Adam and Eve had done nothing for God here, and yet he loved them so much that he gave them this, as it was his heart's desire. How great Jehovah God's love is for us, as his creation, isn't it? How grand and even overwhelming. It wasn't only Adam and Eve, but indirectly us as well, as he created us all in his likeness, endowing us the grand privilege of reflecting his attributes like power, wisdom, justice, and love. What better way to know him and connect with him than by feeling the way he does and living the way he does even with a tenth of his knowledge of life? This can be understood best when we have children. I have a child, and I understand this point perfectly. Having children is a personal matter, of course, but when you have children, you love them, you take care of them from the day one. You make sure they lack absolutely nothing. They are your little creation. They resemble you and your partner in more ways than one, and you just can't help but to live for them. As they grow older, you keep giving them all they need, and this includes values and morals. You teach them all you know and how important it is to be a good person and do good in life. And then there are times when they just do something that you do or laugh a certain way without you asking them to. It just comes naturally. You can't help but feel proud because you know they picked it up because they were close to you. And they saw something in you that they wanted to imitate. When this happens, you know it goes beyond genes. It's selective viewing and imitating as much as it is an indirect way to show you they admire you and that you are a reference to them, you see. Reference to me is the same as relevance because I don't make something or someone irrelevant a reference. Only those relevant to me are my references. So imagine, we were that close to God in the beginning. Of course, Adam had free will, and as a son or a daughter can go off course thinking they are right and lacking experience, Adam veered off course. What did this do for him and the rest of his progeny? Well, the following verses speak of a certain Methuselah who lived 969 years. Could you imagine 969 years? You'll notice that in the Bible, it says that Methuselah lived to be these 969 years, whereas Adam lived a few centuries less, but still lived throughout centuries. It's pretty impressive, right? How is that even possible? I want to attribute it to their closeness to God as well as their closeness to perfection. Funny enough, we are so far from perfection that it isn't even funny. What does this mean? It means the more we reproduce and more time passes, the further we are from perfection. Funny enough, being closer to God makes us come a little closer to perfection. Why? Because God and His ways are perfect, and the closer we are to God, the better life goes for us. As we make wiser decisions, we have a purpose, we have a clear mind and conscience. This is now. As we speak, hence, the whole reason why we are doing this. Going about it this way is a way to guarantee that we will be perfect in the future, of course, again. Yet another reason why we should never take God out of the equation when we really need God in our lives, you see. What makes me so sure? Take a look at the world around you. 
Does it look like it's closer to God and things are going perfectly for us all? Far from it. So what's the point? The closer to God we are, the closer to perfection, literally. Further from God, the further from perfection, also literally. Also, as we read in chapter 5, all throughout chapter 5, after every Bible character name, death, it says, and then he died. Imminent and irreversible death. Death to the greats and not the so greats. Death to the first and to the last, the old and the young, the fast and the slow. Death to the fat and death to the thin. We can't escape it. Why? Do you remember what God told Adam would happen to him if he didn't obey and he ate the fruit? He told him, you will positively, in other words, certainly, without a doubt, die. And here we have two lessons in one. The first is that there are consequences to our skipping the rules because we think we're special enough to. That consequence is the worst consequence any living thing can have, or even wants. Think about it. Why? Because when you live, you enjoy, you dance, you feel, you think, you learn, you love. Do you feel any of these things with the complete opposite of life, death? Not even a little bit. Realistically, you wouldn't be dead if you could. You would be alive. Some of us are partially living, by the way, but that's another story all on its own. Anyway, besides the obvious and maybe even repetitive lesson, we have an indirect lesson in all this. No, who told Adam he would positively die? Wasn't it God? That was the clearest and most honest warning if you've ever heard one. He couldn't have possibly been clear on this, could he have been? Would you say that someone who gives you such a clear warning and instruction is fair and just? Individual? Would you say that suffering the penalty of not abiding by that rule is a fair outcome? God was open and honest about what he wanted and expected from Adam, much like a parent with their children, when they give them clear instructions on the behavior they expect from them or a partner telling their partner what sort of things they will definitely not put up with. Not abiding to these only brings calamity. God also shows us in this that we need to come through and keep our word, hold up to what we say without wavering. This lets others know we're serious and it speaks volumes about our standards, values, and integrity, as well as our level of self-respect. At the same time, it helps us filter who is going to be in our life and who isn't. In fact, they do that for themselves, don't they? Note, please. If a boyfriend tells his girlfriend that he is very loving, patient, and kind, but he will not tolerate her flirting with or chatting with other guys if she's with him, because he won't do that to her, and his girlfriend purposely goes and flirts with others, as well as chats with others to the point he's even intercepted a few messages between her and them, as well as having seen or looking at, smiling and being flirting with other guys. Does he have a justification for breaking up with her if he chose to? After all, he did warn her, didn't he? Some people have tried to pin the blame on Jehovah God by saying that if he wanted obedience from Adam and Eve, he shouldn't have tested them by putting a tree in the middle of the garden and then depriving them of eating from it. Well, Let's imagine you have a family and you set all sorts of food on the table, but the nice juicy steak you've just prepared for yourself is not to be touched, or else. If anyone bit it, do you have a valid reason to be upset? Let's imagine you have a house, and you let loved family members stay in it as long as they want to, but you ask them not to sit on a very specific chair that is there. They consider lay or stand or lean on anything they want except for that chair, which, by the way, will positively break if they do sit on it. 
Do they need to know why you have that chair there or why they mustn't sit on it? No. All you need to know, because it's their house, and you're, and you're being hosted in it, is that they don't want you to sit on it. And as the guest, you need to abide or get out and find your own. In the same way, the earth and everything in and out of it belong to God as the maker of it. Does God not have the right to put the tree wherever he wanted in his home if he chose to and expect his guests to do as he asked them to? It's as if a city council decides to put a roundabout in the middle of a road and in order to drive on that road, you have to go around it. If you decide that rule doesn't apply to you, as a man normally does, your car ends up suffering damage because you kept straight. Whose fault is it that your car got wrecked in that roundabout? In Adam's case, you'll remember that he didn't even have the courage to admit he'd messed up for himself and the rest of humanity afterward, but rather he placed the blame on Eve directly, as well as on God whom gave him Eve, the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh. In any case, we learn that God cannot and does not lie, which, if we want to keep the world polite, we mustn't either, and he keeps his words, which we must also do in order to keep polite with the world and for the world to keep polite with us. So, points to think about, again, is the fact that we need to be, that we are made in God's image and we have the ease to be able to resemble Him in all things that we do. We want to resemble Him by being good people out in society. What better way to know and connect with Him than feeling the way that He does, right? Is one thing that we definitely want to point out. Also, the closer we are to God, the closer we are to perfection, literally. The further from God, the further we are from perfection, also literally. And as well, we want to do everything in our power to keep our word and respect the rules around us. So thanks for listening to today's session of Keep Polite with the World and the World Will Keep Polite with You. We will see you back here tomorrow.